Uh, so how many of you out there love watching TV, movies, binge-watching Netflix? Are any of you like, yeah, we like watching films? Just, well, okay. Uh, a few of you. There's a lot of liars in here who are like, no, I just pray. Uh, so I, I do. I'm, I'm, I had this thing happen in college where um, one of these classes I took was, uh, actually it was in, in grad school, it was like about... Um, finding God in, in movies, and, and it was about doing cultural analysis, like as you watch films and movies, you can, you can see these themes, and two things, like if it's a Christian film, it might, uh, it might have, like, I guess, themes that help you understand the gospel or help you understand people who have trusted God, um, but also when you think about this, the movies that people just put out out there that are not Christian, how there are these themes, and sometimes they reveal the longings of society. You know, like you see how people are desperate for answers, and they are desperate for, for um, I guess, things to help fill their identity. And so it's drugs or alcohol or relationships or all these different things that help remind us about how God ultimately can meet those things. So I, I tend to love watching movies and films and just seeing those themes um, that happen. And there's this movie I watched a, a while ago. Now, I just got to, before I say it, I don't want you judging me, okay? Yeah, I already feel it. And I don't want anybody to take this as an, I'm not saying this movie's perfect, okay? But it's called The Cooler. Anybody ever seen this movie? Okay, well, I haven't either if you haven't, so. Um, but uh, it's really, it's a kind of an interesting movie. So I'm not saying everything in the movie's good. It's not a Christian movie, but there's this theme that's in the movie that's really fascinating. It's basically about this guy. This casino hires this guy who that he's called the cooler, and he's so unlucky in life. Like his life, he's so unlucky, the casino's like, we're going to pay you money to go and, and gamble alongside people so that they lose because you're so unlucky. Okay? Like that's the premise of this, of this movie. This guy's so unlucky he, he changes the odds at the poker table because of how unlucky he is. And it's, it's like in the movie, you know, basically what happens in the movie is it, it, it tells his story and it's kind of interesting. But I, I've been thinking about this idea of the cooler. Imagine being, I mean, just think about that. Imagine being so unlucky in life that the only job you can get is to be unlucky in order to help other people lose money. I mean, like, that's like, wow. Um, and in gambling folklore, I, I was so fascinated by this concept, I was like, this can't be true. But in gambling folklore, I've read a couple articles now about this, um, coolers are there to make you lose money, but in, according to some like old school casino people, they're indispensable. Like in classic old school casino world, um, you know, back in like the you know, early 1920s, and I had Joanne James verify this, uh, sorry, I couldn't help it. Uh, I saw it. I went for it. But uh, it, so they're indispensable. Like you, like casinos, um, it, they've never come out and said that they officially do this. But it's like this thing that's undercurrent. You, you don't see them. You don't know that they're there. They don't wear badges. Um, but in casino folklore, their impact on the game is immeasurable because there's one thing we know about gambling. It's this: the house always wins. So the house will do whatever it can to stack the deck, including hiring unlucky people. Like, isn't that not weird? But it's also very interesting, right? So I started thinking about this in the context of church. I was like, huh, 
Um, <laughs> because I think I was even meeting with Fred recently, and I was like, dude, you're our church is cooler. And, uh, and I've been thinking about how does this relate to, to church world, and, and I, I really want to say a couple things. I, I think this is I think that people, many people still need to discover um, you know, their place in order to figure out how they fit within a community. Um, and so, you know, we need to recognize that there's some people who are involved in our church community that, that you will never see on Sunday morning. They'll never be, be up front. They're like totally not cool with that. And yet they serve a really important, indispensable role. In fact, without some of the people that serve here at the Vineyard, we would never be able to create the type of space that we, we seek to, to, to connect with here. We wouldn't be able to learn about Jesus or have opportunities to serve. And so these quote-unquote church coolers are indispensable. And I, and I want to just recognize a couple of them. Um, Fred Oakley is the first person that I had this brain, this thought about. Fred is over there chilling. Fred shows up every single Sunday at 8 o'clock. Like, I've tried to lock him out. He still shows up. Okay. And Fred's always willing to like, like, what do we need done? And he just jumps in wherever he can to fit to anything. I mean, it could be cut donuts, make coffee, go outside, pick up trash. I mean, he's just, that's what he does. So he's, he's a cooler. Without him, we would be indispensable. Okay? And the, the next person I just was thinking about is Carissa. Carissa, we, we don't see her all the time in here because she's, you know, in the back with these kids duct taping them to walls and crazy things. But without Carissa and all of the other kids' leaders uh, who are indispensable, it would significantly impact the, the health of our church, I think. Um, hold your applause till the end. Okay, Mike Belitho. Mike Belitho, I don't know where, Mike's somewhere in here, but the big bald dude. Yeah, he's, walk, he's out there. The big bald guy. He, he's same thing. Yesterday, he showed up here during the day, and he does this all the time. Just came, and he just mowed, and he, he like, cut weeds down. He does all this type of stuff, because that's what he does. He doesn't ever have to be told or asked. He just does it. He's indispensable in our church. And then um, yesterday, Chris, Ryan, Sean, they, they were here, and, and Shannon was here doing all these different things. And these are, these are people who I think are, we have to, I think, recognize that they're indispensable to the health and the vitality of our church community like without them our church would be different right we would have we i'm not gonna mow we all know that i mean could you imagine actually this morning i walked in and jamie said oh who did the the walls and i was like me and she laughed ha <laughs> no who really did it because she clearly knows that uh, like <laughs> i was like i can use a hammer no i can't i actually can't use a hammer so so hey here's what i want to do for a moment i want to read a pastor scripture that's in, in line with kind of what I'm hinting at. These, these indispensable people that play roles and contribute to, to life in the community and how that fits into our understanding of the church, okay? And so I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26, and then we're going to pray and spend some time talking about it. Uh, but here's what we read in, in 1 Corinthians 12. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He's trying to help the Corinthian church understand what it means to be a healthy church. That's what he's really going for here. He says, The human body has many parts, 
but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would it be if it only had one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And Father... I do ask for your spirit, which has united us and brought us together, would now speak to us and help each of us in this room think about how this applies into our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this passage of Scripture, you know, Paul is writing to this church in the city of Corinth. And and, and I love uh, his letters to the Corinthians because they really are very practical letters and they address a lot of a lot of common challenges that churches still face, which, you know, for a number of reasons, one of the things I love about the fact that Paul wrote letters is because it shows how our faith is actually very practical. It's not like our faith is so esoteric and it has no earthly good, so to speak. It really does have um, application in the context of our lives. And so he's writing and he's addressing many things that were happening in Corinth that needed to be corrected. And he's trying to give the, the Corinthians a little bit of awareness about what God actually has done. And there were a number of problems in the city of Corinth, you know, one being that they had been influenced by a group of, of self-proclaimed super apostles who were there to give them revelations and, and were really focused on spiritual gifts to the point that they were neglecting other important issues too. And so Paul basically writes, um, he ended up actually writing four different letters to the Corinthians. Um, we have two in the New Testament that... that we can read. But in this passage here that we just read, the Apostle Paul makes several points that I think are really important for us that we can spend just a little bit of time thinking about. And these things that that I want us to kind of focus on help us as a community to think about what it means to be a healthy church. Like, what are the things that, that help a church community be healthy? And I mean that in contrast to an unhealthy church community. Because there are dynamics that, that can easily work their way into any church that can help uh, steer the church off course a little bit. 
And then there's other things that can be reminders that get us back to, to where Jesus has called us. And I really do believe that one of the, one of the things that our, our board and our senior leadership folks, what we're called to do is actually evaluate some of those things. To think through, like, are we living out the central primary things that the Bible teaches us? And if we're not, what do we need to do to get back on track? And so the way that we measure health is through the teachings of Scripture. Scripture helps us understand how we're supposed to live our lives and how we should organize our community. And so the first thing that I think uh, we, can, we can see here is this first point. The church is diverse, yet is united. The church is a diverse community, yet it's united. And I, and I think this is important for us to really think a little bit about because I really do believe that differences can be celebrated. Differences are not the enemy. Um, and, and in fact, in many ways, differences are valuable in the health of the church. We don't have to all dress the same way. We don't have to talk the same way. We all don't have to look the same. In fact, in my opinion, the healthier we are as a church, the more diverse we're going to actually be, right? And so it, this, is, this is kind of Paul's way of fleshing this out. And I, I think what's really cool about this is this is how God incorporates our different personalities, right? There's a lot of different personalities in our church community. And the way that God incorporates them is, is by saying, hey, these differences, the way that I've wired you, the way that I've gifted you, the way that I've, I've, I've um, formed you and shaped you, all of the different ways that God has done that, they all fit together into the body of Christ, and they all get to work together. And so diversity is not a bad thing at all. And, and so I love that God does that. And then what we see from this is that diverse, yet you, we're, we're diverse. The church is a diverse community, yet we're united in our allegiance to Jesus in our commitment to mission. And I want to talk about that for a minute. Like the whole point of a church community, I think, full of different people from every different background is that we can come together and be super different. Like, Nathan, Nathan Polk's not here right now, so I can totally make fun of him. He'll maybe listen to this later, but I, like, I love Nathan. I've gotten to know Nathan, and he, everything about him is just, he's so different than me. And, and I love hanging out with him, and, and a couple of months ago, we had this game night, and uh, I showed up, and he showed up ready to rock with like the dorkiest board games I've ever seen in my life. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And like he set it all up, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is so amazing. I'm going to make fun of this forever. And then we started playing, and I was like, this is actually really fun. I think I just became a dork. <laughs> like, where do I order these games at? And and it's like, it's cool though when you when you see a healthy community where people are 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 passionate about certain things and they're really getting into the things that they like, right? When the church can be together in that way, it's it's healthy. Um, I think part of the whole thing about us using our gifts is, is part of that, how it fits in. Like, I'm not able to do a lot of things, but there's people in our church community that can. And when we work together, we, we pool our resources and work together, we can accomplish a lot of things for the mission of God. Amen? Like that's kind of the, the point here. So when I dream about our church and our church's future, you know, I really do have this vision that... Um, that we will continue to move to become more like what we see in, in Scripture about heaven. This is an interesting uh, verse in, 
In Revelation chapter 7, we get this picture of what heaven's going to be like. And it reads this, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language. And they're, so they're in, in heaven, but what are they doing? They're standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, which is Jesus. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And that's why I say that what we're talking about here is it's unity in our commitment to Jesus, our allegiance to Jesus in our in our in the mission of God, but we can be super diverse. There can be tons of different ethnic backgrounds, different languages, different um, passions and abilities, different different things that we we bring to the table. As long as our our central uni- unitedness is in the the gospel, right, in the good news of Jesus, in our commitment to helping other people experience it. And so, the body of Christ, the church, is supposed to be a reflection of heaven. That's, I think, this, this Revelation passage is a, is a picture for us to keep on doing our best to emulate. And so the vineyard, our church, has to continue to be intentional about moving towards that vision. No matter how different people are, we point them to Jesus. And Paul already said this in, in 1 Corinthians 12, and verse 13. He said, some of us are Jews. So he's saying in the Corinthians, some of us are Jewish by ethnicity. Some are non-Jewish people, Gentiles. Some people in the church in Corinth were, were enslaved. They actually were slaves in the Roman, uh, the Roman slave system, and then others were free. But he says this, here's what we have in common. We have all been baptized in the Spirit. We have been united by the work of the Spirit. And the work of the Spirit unites the church to look at Jesus and to see Him as center. Right? And so that's why this is such an important goal. And, and that's one reason I, I should say we have this really exciting thing that God's been doing, I think God's been doing here in our church for, uh, for a while now. You know, two years ago, Doug Bauman and I were, we were in the midst of, you know, you can't do anything, everybody's going to die, masks are everywhere, and we're like, oh my gosh, we have got to go do something. Let's go to Mexico. So... We, we go to Ensenada and we connected with this Lavinia church down there. We met the pastors and the leaders and the people there and we just fell in love with them. And, and then we started also noticing this, and this is, this, I just want to share my heart with you right now. There's so many Latinos that live all over Tehama County and, and, and Corning and, and here. And, and I mean, as a person who, as you all know, is so in love with tacos, I just want to bless the people group that came up with that idea, right? And so we've been praying, Lord, how can we be more intentional about reaching Spanish-speaking people? And um, like when I was growing up, um, I had graduated Bible college, and Donna and I got married, and I met this guy named Troy. And Troy was the dorkiest dude ever. I mean, just like Dorkathon 101, but he spoke Spanish. And every Sunday, he'd be like, you want to go hang out with me? And we would go, and he would share the gospel with, with uh, migrant workers in Wisconsin. And, uh, and he would basically talk, and I'd be standing there because I don't know Spanish, except for, you know, food. <laughs> and uh, then he'd look at me, and I'd be like, Jesus Cristo es Señor, which means Jesus Christ is Lord. And that was like my contribution. 
But I remember in that moment developing a heart for, for Latinos who are, who are in our communities that need also to be a part of a church community. And so what's happened is in Ensenada, we, we started having this like growing, I don't know, desire to see something like that happen. Well, um, on the second to last trip, we met this couple that is right now in the process of exploring potentially moving to Red Bluff and helping us plant a Lavinia church. And here's what's cool. They're coming this coming weekend, and they're going to hang out with us, and next Sunday night, we're going to have uh, a fiesta, and all of you are invited to come, and we're just going to hang out. We're going to eat some food and, and, and just kind of get to know them a little bit. But that's, that's really a part of our mission, right? We want to see this picture that we're talking about fulfilled and be intentional about reaching every tribe, every tongue, every nation where we feel the Holy Spirit is guiding us. And so that first point, I think, is, is really important for us is that the church is diverse, yet we have to be united. So it's totally okay for you to be different as long as our differences ultimately come under the lordship of Jesus. Number two, the church needs to have people who appear weak and weird. You, you have no idea the temptations to say things right now. <laughs> but Paul says here, he says this, he says that these people, okay, I'm using the word weirdo in an affectionate way, but these weird, strange, they appear weak, they, they appear like they aren't that important. That's what he's getting at. That's the context here. He says that these people that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. He says that, that those who appear weakest and the least important are actually the most necessary. And I think an analogy is think about your car. I mean, every new car that I've purchased, the, the technology upgrades a little bit, right? Like when Don and I first got married, um, you know, I, we, we, we got this like, this, this uh, four-wheel drive, uh, Ford Explorer, just old school stick shift. It, it didn't have any bells and whistles, you know? And now when you get a car, they are, they are computers, are they not? It's like you walk in, your, computer, your phone automatically connects to it, and it's telling you where to go, and you're just like, what? You can't say the word Siri because it pops up, right? And so the technology's changed. And so when you look at a car right now, I mean, you can think about a couple of things. The ignition system in a car is super complex, right? Like if your ignition system goes out or if any of the computer stuff goes out, you're in trouble, right? And, and, and then think about like the drain plug for the oil, though. It's, it's the easiest, most simple thing. But how many of you have found out the hard way that if the drain plug goes away, eventually things start happening to your car, and it's really important to have that drain plug, right? And that's how the body of Christ is. There's these people who, who seem like they're not that important, but really we find out that they're indispensable. They are, again, I propose, church coolers. They are church coolers. And I've long... I've long said that the church needs to be a place where weird people can gather together. I, I really believe that. Where it's okay to be unique, different, and weird, and it's not a bad thing. And, and what I mean by that is that all of us in this, weird, in this room are weird in some degree. Okay? 
Like, if you share your passions and the things you like, other people are like, well, that's weird. I mean, like, I, I've talked to people, like, my, what I love doing is fly fishing. I like going out, using flies on a fly rod, tricking fish to eat them, catching them, and letting them go. And I have friends, they're like, you let them go? That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, they, they can't conceptualize it. So we all have these things that are, that are weird. And that's okay. The thing that we want to avoid is buying into some spirituality that thinks being weird is more spiritual. That's not the point, though, isn't it? Because when the, when the Holy Spirit does stuff, sometimes things can feel weird and can be weird. But if it's real, it's okay, right? It's just the whole idea of, like, the more weird we are, the more Holy Spirit we get. That's not true. Can I get an amen, please? Because this is important. You weirdos can be weird as long as it's real. Okay? Don't be weird to, like, be weird. Yeah. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to wrap up really quickly with a couple of things that, that I, I think is important for our church to just, just to be aware of and to be praying about. Why the sermon series links? Well, there's a couple of reasons. The first one is our mission. Our mission here at the Vineyard is to know Jesus, meaning we want to know him more. There's nobody in this room that can't know Jesus more. Amen? You can grow in your knowledge of Jesus. Peter, the Apostle Peter, who spent a lot of time with Jesus, talks about growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So our mission is to know Jesus and to make Jesus known. And those two things go together. And so because of our mission, we can't accomplish our mission if the body of Christ is not doing its part. Right? If, if, every, if every member of the body isn't functioning and contributing and, and using their giftings and their abilities and, and, and living out their passions for the kingdom, we can't, we can't carry this out. Right? We need it. And I would also add the, 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 our vision. We have this vision where we want to tra- change the world. Like, we really do. We want to make a difference in the world around us all over the world, but we want to begin here in Red Bluff. We can do something local here. And then I think what I'm I'm sensing and we've seen is that the trajectory of growth that we're experiencing is we have lots of new people coming into our church community. And by the way, if you're one of them, welcome. We're glad you're here, right? But because of that, eventually we get to the point where we have to have more people involved and participating in order to serve the community that we have. And that leads me to the scariest thing to talk about, and it's multiple services. We have in the past, we grew from 35 people to like 380 within six months. And it was the worst thing ever. Okay? But what we learned through that was was building systems and being more organized and strategic so that we can serve more people. And and if, if, if the last... Two months is any indication of what God is doing. I think we have to be aware that eventually we move to multiple services and we can reach more people that way. And we can't do that if we don't have a lot of people serving in different roles. And then ultimately this gets us to the main thing about links is discipleship. What I believe with all of my heart is that there's, there's people in the church who are like, I really want to grow. Oh, I want to grow in my faith. I want to experience the kingdom. But they don't serve. 
And I'm telling you right now that I've been pastoring for 25 years now. And I'm telling you right now, most of the growth that I have personally experienced and after seeing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in the churches I've served in, most of the growth, ha- growth happens in the midst of serving. That's where it happens. That's the magic sauce. If you want to know how you can draw closer to Jesus, find a team and get involved and you're going to grow. With the kids' ministry, you, you're going to grow because you're participating in, in teaching and sharing. And I've had a number of teachers tell me, like, I didn't know that story. So I had to like, read all these Bible verses in order to learn about it. Right? And there's all these different areas that, that you will grow. Let's stand up together. This is the point before I pray. I'm going to close this in prayer in a minute. This is what I want you to, to understand is that we can't, and I mean by we, us, okay? Like if you want to frustrate me, say things like, well, your church, if you're part of this church, it's ours, amen? amen. Like this is Jesus' church and our church. This is not my church, it's not Don's church, although I will say if it is one of our two churches, it's definitely her church, okay? Um, but this is the thing, we can't carry out our mission we can't carry out our vision. We can't, um, we can't handle church growth. We can't, we can't move to eventually having multiple services or make disciples if our church isn't committed to being a community where people join teams, serve, and use their spiritual gifts. So that's the whole idea of links. We've been talking about these links and the change and, and the different things that help people go from being you know, far off from the kingdom and in need of grace. And then there's these things, these different little encounters or these different ministries that people connect with, and that helps the whole experience. It helps them connect with Jesus and, and turn their lives toward Him. And, and so that's why we really want to encourage you to be thinking specifically about how you can serve if you're not serving already. If you already serve, thank you. you are, you're so appreciated. I mean, I really do mean that. But if you're not yet plugged in in some way, shape, or form, please talk to one of us. Let, we'd love to get you connected with that. So I'm going to have Don uh, close us in prayer in a minute, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up.